Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went you can Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, April the 8th. 2009, and we're up to episode 175 or 6 or 7, I don't know. But if you downloaded the show, you should know what the episode is, because it was either in the title of the webpage, or it was listed in the title on iTunes when you downloaded it, so you know better than me what episode we're up to. And uh, as always, the Survival Podcast is one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, it dictated as almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, as I uh, drive my way up there. So if any time during this episode you hear something like me yell at somebody and call them an asshole, that's because they were an asshole and cut me off, because I'm in a car. And if you're thinking, man, there's background noise on this podcast. It's a lot better than when we started. Uh, There's going to be background noise on the podcast for quite a while. I am looking at even trying to find a better noise-canceling headset uh, to see if maybe I can even improve the audio a little bit more. I've been looking at some different options, and uh, if I find one I think is going to work, I'll give it a shot. But uh, hopefully this is part of what makes this show cool, that I'm able to do this show uh, in and out of traffic and dealing with idiot drivers, just like you do every day. Odds are you're a normal American. You get up, you get out of bed, you go to work, you come home. You have to deal with this stuff, too. We just share it together, and we talk about things that actually matter, that actually influence our lives. Sometimes we talk about politics. Uh, sometimes we talk about economics. Usually when those shows happen, I get really mad. Sometimes I cuss. This is an adult show. Uh, you're welcome to share it with your kids. I just recommend you listen to it first and decide I'll share this part and not that part. But today we're going to talk about something where I'm not going to get real mad. I might get a little bit mad at one part when I explain something that's going on online right now uh, with people talking about the story that came out about me and, and the way they're, you know, still playing this now people know stuff um but other than that i'm going to talk about planning versus paranoia so there's not a lot to get upset about there uh but i do think it's a good subject for us to talk about and i think maybe with all the new people that are getting here it's a real good subject to help people kind of move into you know a survival mindset with with with, you know without thinking okay well now i've kind of gone over to the dark side and i'm over here with these crazy people we're not crazy people folks we're we're no different than you are if you bought life insurance for your family, right? You don't plan to die. You're not getting ready to die, but you have life insurance because you know, God forbid, you could. And you don't want your family to do without if that happens. And that is one type of a disaster. It is a disaster when a family member dies. That's a personal disaster. And we'll talk a little bit about, again, personal to global, the disaster scale, the probability matrix, and things like that today. Uh, before we do, though, I'm going to do a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, once again, I will be at Dirt Time 09 uh, in August. 
out in San Bernardino, California, a week-long, really kick-ass workshop with uh, 13 or 14 other people will be instructing things. And these are things like knife-making, bow-making, primitive woodcraft. I'll be talking about survival gardening and survival per, uh, permaculture. And uh, this is just going to be an amazing event. They've done it before. I do want to let you know this. They, the, you know, This is from Wilderness Way magazine, and they do a full-page ad. The ad, the, the, the edition with the ad hasn't even come out yet. And they're, they're getting close to already filling up the event just from the announcements they've made on their website and things like that. So if you are interested in going, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and register. Now, I know August seems like a long way off, but um, I think they can only take 100 people headcount of attendees. And I don't know where they're at, but uh, Alan told me they're getting real close to being full with that. A uh, place we're not going to be full, we have a big bug out, camp out, get together down for Region 5 near Gulfway, Texas. Memorial Day weekend. Come one, come all. You're welcome to come from any any corner of the earth and come join us. We're only calling it Region 5 because that's where it's located. And Dan Tanner's kind of the, uh, I guess he's the uh, de facto leader of Region 5 because uh, he stepped up and he's acted that way and he's put it together. And uh, if you're coming uh, and you want to eat some of the barbecue and stuff that he's bringing in, I think he's charging a few bucks ahead to do that. Uh, and you can get information on a link that will be in today's show notes. And when you send him your couple bucks to pay for your barbecue, uh, just tell him thank you too for, for, for all he's done here. And Dan, for me, directly Thank you. A uh, couple other things. One, member support brigade. If you feel you get 25 cents an episode value out of the show, please consider joining the member support brigade and get exclusive content not available to anyone else except member support brigade members. And the last, I guess but not least, I am doing the audio recording of Lights Out, novel by David Crawford. You can get the preview on the website. So let's get into this para- planning versus paranoia thing and wrapped up the whole introduction of the show there in five minutes, and I'm going to try to get it down less. I'd like to do it in three, but you know, you guys can always hit the fast forward, but if you want to. Um, Anyway, planning versus paranoia. I think this is a big thing, and I've been talking to quite a few different people in the media lately, and I've started to, to kind of vet them instead of letting them vet me before I'll give them an interview and saying, look, if you want to talk about this new movement that the people are waking up to, of going back to their roots, following the way that their grandparents used to live, understanding things like low debt ratios or no debt ratios, understanding that it just makes sense to have more than a week's worth of food in the home, understanding all of these things, then I am happy to give you the interview. If you want to get me on and ask me if I'm going to go hide in the basement uh, where I have food stacked to the roof, don't bother because you're not going to get that story because it's just not here. Um, and that is the planning versus paranoia. Now, are there people in kind of the survivalist movement that think that way? Yes. And I have nothing against them. I think that I would rather have them be overprepared than underprepared. Just for my life, I've taken a very pragmatic approach to doing simple things like making sure, again, there's a few months worth of food in the house. My goal this year is to get to a full six months of reserve food at my remote location and, and stay around two to three months here. And the reason I want to do it that way is because I can carry two to three months with me and I can't carry much more. So it makes sense for me to put the majority of my stuff in my remote location. Now, since I have a remote location, is it a bunker in the hills? No, it's a little three-bedroom, two-bathroom house up in the uh, mountains in Arkansas in a place that I want to live the rest of my life. That's where I want to go when we retire or even semi-retire. So what I've done is I've set up this lifestyle, right? And it's about what I wanted anyway. 
Now, if you don't want a place up in the mountains, then you maybe don't need one. Maybe a bug out location isn't for you. Maybe it makes sense for you to get a little, you know, place in another little town somewhere else to use as a vacation place just so you have a second location and you have another investment. Does that sound like crazy talk or does that sound like common sense ways to live your financial life? In spite of the money people have lost in real estate, the people that lost money in real estate, even the poor homeowner who lost all that money in real estate out in Los Angeles bought houses that were way overpriced. You don't lose money on real estate when you buy same property at same prices. And if you're going to tell me, well, where I live, you can't do that, I will tell you to move. And you're like, what do you mean move? I mean, get up, go somewhere else. Just leave. You can't just do that. People do it every day. In fact, the ability to move from a place of stupidity to a place of sanity is the foundation of America. That's why we have a republic in this nation. It's, you know, I'm in fear for the republic, but a republic form of government is a huge system of checks and balances where you have this group of states that have a great deal of autonomy and there's only so much the central government, the federal government can do. So when states like California do something really freaking stupid like raise the income tax by almost 100%, then some people, and usually the best, the brightest, the producers from California go, you know what? Had enough of this crap. They pick up and they move their families and some of them move their businesses and they go to places like Las Vegas and Las Vegas grows and Los Angeles shrinks. That's how it works. Now, but what is the big thing here? What is the big issue that we need to understand about this planning process versus being paranoid? I want to send a very clear message to some of you folks out there, and I'll tell you just a little bit about what continues to go on with certain little snide comments people that have probably done very little in their lives to help others keep making in forums and discussion groups about me. This article came out in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. It's some twit, and I'll call you a twit. I hope you listen to my show today so you can hear me call you a twit. Called me tarted, as in retarded, but he just called me tarted for telling people that I store food in the story in the Star-Telegram. Well, my friend, I think what is tarted is to think that people wouldn't know that after I've done over 170 episodes of this show. There's more than 8,000 web pages out there because my fans have been asked and have come through like no one else. There's 8,000 web pages online today that link to my show and say, hey, go take a look, go take a listen. Is it a big intellectual leap that this guy that talks about food storage, you know, has food? No, it's not. Somebody has to put themselves out there. And what I'll say to the folks that are like way over the edge with paranoia about, you know, we have to, you know, keep silent that we have anything extra because someone will come take it from us. Most of you guys are the ones that are running around and you have these little signatures on your little forum profiles and you have these, these, these statements from great Americans. Statements from people like Thomas Jefferson that says, from time to time, the tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And you feel really cool with that statement there. You're not living up to it when you say somebody else is foolish for carrying a message to people and saying, look, this is important, you need to do it too. And let me remind you of something another great American said, Benjamin Franklin. Those who will sacrifice liberty for safety deserve neither. And I'm not willing to sacrifice my liberty 
to help people for the safety of my own isolation. And that's because I believe in planning versus paranoia. I don't think that most people are out there trying to get me. And there's threats out there anyway, and all we can do is prepare for them. And what we really need to understand if we want to to plan the right way and avoid paranoia is our own personal and individual power. You see, folks, you've been lied to so many times, it's hard to know what's real anymore. And I think this community is, is more immune to it than others, but we still fall into the trap. We've been lied to about how powerful the individual human being is. No one is really telling that story. And when they do, they say it's amazing. And what I mean by this is we'll see a news report. And on this news report, there'll be, oh, this this little 115-pound lady was coming, was getting out of her car, and she was going to walk around the other side and take her baby out of a car seat. And some guy tries to abduct the baby out of her car, and he's like a 200-pound great big guy. And she jumps on him, and she beats his ass down to the ground, claws his face, kicks him, bites him, beats him near death. He runs away. And then... I'm Tom Jones, you know, news reporter for KLL, blah, blah, blah. We are here with an amazing story today. Folks, that story's not amazing. It's interesting. It's newsworthy. But it's exactly what I expect to happen. And if you doubt me, go put your hands on a woman's child. I don't care how big you are, how tough you are, and let her think that you're threatening, threatening that child. You're going to get the same response from any woman that loves her child. You'd probably be better off standing between a black bear and her cub than a human woman and her child. Because she can think in ways the bear can't, and she'll get you one way or another. Because it's more important to her than it is to the scumbag taking away the kid. Two guys go out in the wilderness. One gets hurt. The other guy carries his buddy against all odds back to safety. Doesn't seem like it's even possible, but he gets his buddy to safety. We're here with an amazing story of survival, ladies. No, it's not an amazing story of survival. Would you do any less if it was your buddy, if it was your friend? Would you not shed your last drop of sweat and blood to save your buddy in the same situation? Is it amazing, or is it part of the human condition? We hear a story, a fourth generation farm, out in middle America, being endangered of being foreclosed on. The community rallies around, grazes money, and keeps the farm in the hands of a family that's been there for four generations. An amazing story of a community. It's not an amazing story of a community. It's a common story of a community that we don't hear enough. Because you see, the desire to survive... And the individual human quotient of power is universal. It's not a uniquely American thing, and we forget that sometimes in what I would say is basically some nationalistic arrogance. If you think it's an American ideal, try this one for size. Cruise on over to Africa. Find yourself a, you know, an Angolan tribeswoman and try to take her baby away from her. And expect to end up in a shallow desert grave if you try that one. See, it's universal. It's, it's in the accountant's chest. It's in the programmer's soul. This desire to survive. This ability to think. You know, the, the way to look at this is we sit down and 
we formulate a plan, and this is a basic planning formula you can base everything that you do on. First of all, you determine the threats that are out there. And you figure out their commonalities. If I'm losing a job, or there's a flu pandemic, or you know there's a major global conflict, or there's a trucker strike, or peak oil, or any of the things that we come up with from the most extreme to the most mundane, what are the things I would have to do without? And the ones that are most common across all of them, from the, from the most personal to the most universal, we do those first, and we find that commonality. From that point, we simply take action, follow the plan, and in the end we know that we've done the best that we can. And what I want you to get, and this is so important, as a human, you're the only creature that we know of that is capable of doing that or even understanding it. See, survival is universal in the world. The cat goes after a mouse, the mouse runs down a hole to survive. The tiger chases a deer. The deer uses his nose to know the tiger's coming and run away before the tiger even gets there. Sometimes the predator wins, sometimes the prey wins. But there's this fight for survival. Even the tiger is fighting for his survival. Without killing the deer, he'll starve. Down to the microbial level. One microbe avoids another because one consumes another. But those are instinctual. It's not logic. It's not planning. It can't be done. Human beings are the only people capable of this. And when you understand that power, then you don't need to be afraid. You don't hide. You don't go down in a bunker. You don't go down in the basement like these media idiots keep asking. Are you guys going to go down in the basement? I live in Texas. We don't have basements in Texas. They have clay soil. They ruin our foundations. All right? No. When you understand your power, you plan not to appease fear, but to destroy it. There is no fear in planning. It is only an acceptance. I was asked the other day by this chick named Trudy from the Mike in the Morning show up in Detroit. So you're ready, right? This was my response to her. No, we're not ready. And we'll never be ready for disaster. You see... When you have a family, both both parents work, you buy life insurance on each other. So that if the tragic event of one of them dying in a car wreck happens, there's financial resources available to the family. So you've prepared for the worst, but you're never ready to lose a family member. It's a horrible tragedy, and you don't want it to happen, but you still buy life insurance. That's what we do. We don't live in fear that we're going to have a car wreck and die. We get in our car every day. We go to work. We provide for our families. But yet we insure ourselves in case something goes wrong. If you think that planning for disaster is foolish, don't carry life insurance. Don't wear your seatbelt. Women, throw that mace or pepper spray away that you keep in your purse. Men, you should carry pepper spray too. I talked about it yesterday. It's not a non-macho thing to do. It'll keep you from killing somebody with your gun if you have a less than lethal option. Cops carry it. No one calls them wusses. But get rid of everything that you have that insures, you know. You know what? Don't put your money into a solid investment. No, no. Go down to Vegas and just throw it on black number five. Spin the wheel. All right? Why do you need to plan? 
did somebody come steal all your money yesterday? You know what? Don't lock your doors, right? That's how ridiculous it is to look at the things that we do and say this is paranoia, this is fear-mongering. That's another thing I've seen. And a lot of this story is getting uh, a lot of syndication on other sites. And people, Some horror always has to come into the comments and go, this is fear-mongering. And then somehow, somehow, the twits out there on the blogs always have to start arguing about whose fault it is that our economy is screwed right now. George Bush's or Barack Obama's? The answer is it's both of their faults, and one's making it worse, and the other one made it as bad as he could, and they're doing the same things. But that doesn't matter, does it? You know, what matters now is how do we deal with this? So what do we do to plan? Well, the first thing that you need to do if you want to be able to plan to deal with the worst possible situation is sit down and make an honest assessment of your threat probabilities. And what I mean by that is if you live in Denver, you're probably not real worried about a hurricane. Okay? If you live in uh, Beaumont, Texas, you probably are. Both of you are right. It makes sense that way. If you live in Beaumont, Texas, you're probably not real worried about a great big blizzard. But the guy up in Denver, you should be, right? So when you look at the threats around you, consider where you live. Just write down the things that are most probable to affect you. And then write down the universal threats that threaten us at the individual level. Remember, threat probability. The most probable event is one that happens to you and nobody else. Losing your job is a disaster. And it threatens your survival. And people go, what in the hell? People lose their job every day. Nobody dies. Families die. If you're going to survive, survival is not just going on and continuing to exist. It's living a better quality of life. It's keeping the things that are important to you safe. The survival of your family unit. The number one thing that kills American families is debt. Even most adultery is actually driven by stress, and the stress usually comes from debt. And when you lose your job, that stress level ratchets up. So that's one of the most probable things that can happen, and it is a disaster. It's a very recoverable disaster, but your planning process can make recovery a lot easier. Let's look at this a second. Let's look at some basic planning steps. You have three months of food stored up, and you lose your job. Well, for the next 90 days, you don't have to go spend any money on food. You just eat your preps. Maybe you have some money saved up, so you eat half your preps and half food from the grocery store. Now you cut your grocery bill in half. Either way, you have a flexibility, and you have the ability to make a decision that's best for you. Since you're going to spend less time in the grocery store, you can spend more time fixing that resume, networking, and finding your ass a new job instead of living on the public assistance that will be offered to you. I mean, it is that basic. At the same time, if we had some sort of a major solar storm, which is possible, we've had, you know, credible scientists come out and say this is a probable threat. Possibility, very low, probability very low, but it's a probably, it's not, again, it's one of these things that, like, is it going to happen in the next couple of years? I don't know, maybe. Will it ever happen? Absolutely. Sooner or later, we're going to have a giant flare, boom, big plasma ball, smacks the atmosphere. The current electrical grid cannot handle it. It would short out. Lights out, baby. Stored food, still a good idea, right? I mean, happened to a million people plus this year already. We're only in, what, April? Lost a job. Totally the other side of the spectrum. One in a million shot. Electrical grid down. Same thing. Affects both. Got to see that probability matrix and understand the commonalities within it. What are the things that you're going to do without? 
more than anything else, it's how you think, though. It's the most important thing that a survivalist has. is the gray matter between his ears. How do you think? How do you react? How do you decide? How do you avoid confrontation when you don't have to have it? How do you avoid a conflict that you don't have to have? When you do have to have a conflict, how do you make sure that you win? How do you take decisive action? Above all, remembering that what you do is important. It matters. This is something I keep saying, and I'll keep saying it. You'll never hear me stop saying this. The thing that unifies stories of survival, from a person that dealt with a flood to a person that deals with cancer, is that they understand what they do matters. The cancer patient that says to the doctor, what treatment are you giving me and why? What are my other options? What are the side effects here? Okay, you're telling me I have a 70% chance of survival with this treatment. What chance of survival do I have without any treatment at all or with another treatment? Even if they end up doing what the doctor has asked them, the people that ask those questions, I've seen quite a few uh, doctors, you know, oncologists, cancer specialists interviewed. So those are the people that, you know, make it, especially those are the people that make it when I didn't expect them to. When I told them, we've got a 10% chance here, and I was really being a little dishonest because I thought it was one. And these people make a full recovery because they know what they did mattered. People end up in a car wreck. Middle of the highway, car zipping past them. Instead of just laying down and quitting and waiting for help to come, they figure out how to get out of the car and how to get out of the danger zone because they know what they do matters. Same thing with that woman. Guy tries to take her kid. She doesn't dial 911. 911 won't get there fast enough. She has to take action. What she does matters. The guy that goes hiking with his buddy and his buddy gets hurt, he doesn't leave him there. Say, I'll go find help. He figures out how to make sure his buddy's safe. And if he does leave him, he leaves him as safe and stable as possible. Or he throws him over his back and he carries him. One way or another, he knows what I do matters right now. I have to be the one to act. That mindset has got to get into your head. You've got to walk around with that mindset at all times. It is part of your situational awareness. I am in control of my life. I am responsible for myself. There are things that the government, that they're going to do. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be right to be pissed off. There's things that corporations are going to do. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be right to be pissed off. But you know what? You have a level that you can have influence over. You have what they call a circle of influence. And things within that you can affect. And things outside of it, that's what you call your circle of concern. It's everything you care about, but there ain't a hell of a lot you can do about it. Do you want to be effective as a survivalist or effective as a business person? You stick to your circle of influence. What can I control? Another thing that uh, you really need to consider in your planning process is the people around you that you care about that refuse to take action right now. Now, I've actually done shows on this, and there are ways to talk to those people, but all you can do is explain your situation. And if they don't want to listen, then you just act anyway. And what I'm starting to find out is that when people see you taking logical actions, and you just do it, and you don't put it in their face, you don't push it on them, and you don't, like, you know, do it, you know, I'm even talking like a husband or a wife, and you're doing it, and your spouse isn't. You just do it very slowly, very methodically, very organized, a little bit here, a little bit there. And one day you look and you have a month's worth of food stored up, stuff you eat anyways. Money you would have spent anyway. You just spend it now instead of tomorrow. And you say to your spouse, hey, look, that stuff's there. 
doesn't it make you feel a little bit more safe than if it wasn't? Don't you feel a little bit more secure when you hear about something that quickens your pulse a little bit, that something could be a problem? And you know what they usually say? Yeah, you know what? I do. And that feels good. And the reason it feels good is it connects people to that power that I'm talking about. This is what I'm trying to get across to the media outlooks that I ta- the outlets that I talk to. I've been asked, why is your show popular? Why are people listening? Why are people like tuning in every single day and sharing your show with other people? And it's a simple thing that I think the media's lost touch with. People like to feel empowered. People like a positive message that they're in control, not somebody else. If you listen to my show, odds are, throughout your entire life, as long as you were old enough to think and have that little internal voice in your head, there's probably been a nagging feeling saying, What the hell are we doing here? You probably looked around and you saw the things that other people called progress, and you shook your head and you went, this doesn't make sense. You might have had great periods of joy and happiness in your life, but there was always something, always something, nagging at you, saying, it's not quite the way it's supposed to be. You look at thousands of people living in a couple acres and these stacked high-rise apartment buildings. Everybody's got 400 square feet. And they talk about how efficient it is. And you look at it and go, Earth is not designed to support that many people in that small an area. Density is wrong. It doesn't make sense. You drive to work, you see the people around you in cars, you realize how clueless they are. You go, humanity is not supposed to live this way. This doesn't make sense. That voice is your soul. However you define it, it is your soul. It is your heart. It is your id. It is your internal guide. And it won't shut up. It is never going to leave you alone. It just won't happen. And whatever faith you are, whatever religion you are, even if it's none, as long as you believe that there's something more to you than flesh and bone, that's enough. However you define it, that internal being, that spirit is telling you, this isn't right. This isn't the way things are supposed to be. You're not safe like this. You're totally exposed. All your money's in the stock market. Why are you doing this? Are you afraid you'll lose an opportunity? Do you make decisions on fear this is wrong? Hey, look at your cabinet. It's empty. There's nothing in there. You just opened the refrigerator, closed the door in disgust. Now you got to go to the store. What if you couldn't go to the store? This isn't right. Hey, hey, why did you just write over you know, $1,500 in checks to pay for two vehicles? This doesn't make sense. All those vehicles do is take you to a job that you hate every day. And you have the job that you hate because you have to pay for the vehicles. Hey, wait, this doesn't make sense. Hey, look how you're living. You're paying more in property taxes than your entire salary ten years ago. That guy ten years ago would kick your ass today. This doesn't make sense. Listen to me. I'm you. That voice. That's the one I'm talking about. 
That's not the voice of paranoia. That's the voice that goes, they're out to get me. They're out to get me. If that you hear that voice, you need to go find a doctor and get yourself on some medication. All right? Or you need to strap your foil hat on a little bit tighter. But if you're hearing that other voice, the one that just tells you something's not right, it will never go away. You can't medicate it with money. You can't medicate it with a credit card. You can't medicate it with drugs. You cannot medicate it with alcohol. It will never shut up. It's your personal power saying, hey, hey, we can do better. We don't need to be anybody's slave. We're not going to be a slave to government. We're not going to be a slave to health care. We're not going to be a slave to debt, buddy. Get on board with me. I'm you. I'll help you. That's that voice. And the thing that's making this modern survivalist movement powerful is it's connecting people to that voice. They're listening to it. That voice reaches back to your grandparents and your great-grandparents, many of whom came to this country for something better, to get out of a class system, to get out of a feudal system, to get out of an indentured servitude-slash-slavery system, so that they could own land, so that they could take a home, and instead of it being a mud hut with a hundred other mud huts around it, that they were allowed to live in by a king, it could have a nice little lawn and it could produce food for them and their families. So they could plant an apple tree and a pear tree and bake pies and put them in the window just like those nostalgic Norman Rockwell pictures. That was the dream. A home that produced for you versus a home that took from you. And Americans today have flipped it right back around to the way it was back in the feudal days. Today, the home is a consumer. It eats away at your resources. When you pay your mortgage, how do you feel? Does it make you sick? Do you realize this is supposed to be our abode, our home, our safety, our castle, the place that we can stay? But you know what? If I lose my job and I don't find something in three or four weeks, we're going to be on the, in the, you know, the verge of getting out of here. And within six months, the bank's going to take it away from us and throw us in the streets. It's not my abode. My house isn't an asset. It's a liability. That's what people are waking up to. And they're making changes in their life to fix it. And when you start to make that change, it feels good. That's survival planning. Sounds nuts. Sounds crazy. How can these things be survivalism? What's the goal of survivalism? At its most basic level, it is simple to survive. To be here tomorrow instead of be dead tomorrow. At the next level, it's to make sure the people around you are there with you. Your wife, your daughter, your son, right? Your, your parents. That's the next level of survival. Not just you making it, but they make it too. You're willing to risk your life for your, your spouse. You're willing to risk your life for your kids. Willing to risk your life for a mother or a father. Well, if that's the case, then you need to be concerned about their survival too, even if they're not yet, even if they're not ready for it yet. And when you follow that voice, when you listen to it, you sort yourself out pretty well. And that's the thing. I believe in people. I believe that people have this innate capacity. And as soon as you pull them back just a few feet, 
just a few feet from that point where all they can see is the next plasma TV, the next model of car, the next good deal on a car lease, the next Platinum MasterCard, right? The Plum Card, and whatever other status symbol bullshit they can put in your face. As soon as you pull them back about 10 feet away from that and say, look at the real world, remember it. The inner soul takes over and says, hey, hey, I've been telling you this the whole time. I've been talking to you the whole time. You've ignored me. I've never never given up on you. I've always been here. And the two of you together, that internal compass and your external activities, when they're joined together, it feels good. That's why the survivalist movement is growing. That's not paranoia. It's not fear-mongering, as these twits say. Again, I'll say to the twits that say survivalists are fear-mongering, yeah, get rid of your life insurance. Don't carry health insurance. Did you get sick yesterday? No. Well, what are you carrying health insurance for? So hopefully this is just a new way to look at things. Hopefully it opens your eyes. Hopefully you realize at this point on your journey that that little voice inside of you that's always said something's not right here. When you saw another strip mall being built as you drove by and you shook your head, that didn't make you weird. All it meant is you were paying attention and you were listening to yourself. This is why in all the planning that I talk about, even when I get very specific, I still say, you have to adapt it to your life. You have to figure out how you want to do it. You have to create your own order to it. I'm not going to tell you store 30 days of food, store 60 days, store 6 months, store a year. You figure out how much you want to store based on your resources and your time. If your plan is yours, you'll follow it. If I give you my plan, you won't. It's not possible. There's no way that one person can take something like a plan and give it to somebody else. All I can do is give you a framework. You take that framework and you act on it and you start listening to that voice. Because that voice is you. And that voice is a hell of a lot smarter than MasterCard or the President or the Congress or your state's governor. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.